Lenten journey often feels and is unfortunately constructed to be quite personal or individual. And I was thrown into a very communal experience, one that could only be met with um, lamenting and reckoning with trauma in a communal way. And so for me, this Lenten season has not been very traditional, if you will. And so what I'm experiencing is a bit, it's a bit different or new. Maybe it feels a little bit like that for you too, but maybe for different reasons. Maybe because we've started our work with Alyssa and our challenge to sit with things a bit differently, or at least more intensely, if you will, during this season of very focused culture building. That's one thing that I've been thinking about in terms of who we are and what we're doing here, um, this building culture, if you will. And, and it, I want to be reminded that um, building culture is what we do because we're alive. <laughs> and so we're in that in a very intense way, I think, in this season, but I think it's helpful to name that we're always building culture. Um, so I just wanted to name that for us this morning. We have been making our way through the book of John during this season, um, starting in January and we will continue to do so here through Lent. As we make our way through the book of John, I believe that our journey has looked similar, if you will, to that of the followers of Jesus that we read about. And I don't know all that happens in each of your lives, but I'm honored to know quite a bit. And even when things go unspoken, I can often see in your eyes, I can hear in your voices, and I can sense in my being and my body knows that we've experienced a lot as individuals and as a collective we have experienced a lot and it feels quite full some of us have been following if you will for quite some time and if we haven't been following for quite some time it might just feel like we've been following for quite some time and we have heard many, many things, some that we do not yet understand. We've heard some hard things, some beautiful things, some hateful things, some challenging things. We've endured and we've fought. We've been doing hard work and will continue to do hard work. We have celebrated, we have enjoyed being together with one another, walking, talking, eating, we have prayed for one another. We have shown up for one another in what at sometimes feels small ways and other times really big ways. Throughout the years, our faith has been transforming and our minds have changed and we are changing. To change our minds is what repentance is. And if you're sitting here today, no matter how long you've called Trinity home, you can surely relate to all of this. Our very being here is a turning toward God who is always turning toward us as we are being reoriented to the kingdom, showing up as our full selves, growing in love and joy, which is a declaration that death in all of its forms never has the final word. It is a joy unspeakable, to use the words of Barbara Holmes in her book, Joy Unspeakable. She says this, For we are not headed toward a single goal, 
we are on a pilgrimage toward the center of our hearts. It is in this place of prayerful repose that joy unspeakable erupts. Joy unspeakable erupts when you least expect it, when the burden is greatest, when the hope is gone after bullets fly. It rises on the crest of impossibility. It sways to the rhythm of steadfast hearts and celebrates what we cannot see. This joy beckons us not as individual monastics, but as a community. It is a joy that lives as comfortably in the shouts as it does in silence. We have tasted and we have seen this joy. This joy unspeakable is what God desires for us, and it becomes evident in the words that Jesus speaks in our text for today. As I was reading this text, I felt like it was a bit of a respite, if you will, on this Lenten journey, which has felt so full and quite a bit heavy. And it comes after those parental words that Jesus spoke to the disciples through what Alyssa pointed out to us last week as the imparting of a gift upon his followers for them to know whence they came, showing them who they will become and what is to come as he prepares them for his returning to God or his going away, if you will. And now, in this final piece of his farewell discourse, he continues with truth-telling and offering peace and love and comfort. As I put myself in the text, this next chapter seems like the next natural thing, like it's all there is really left to do, if you will, among the disciples. It is a prayer. And it's not just any prayer. It still functions as a teaching of sorts. It's a public prayer meant for others to not only hear, but to learn from. And not just then, as it was spoken, but today and for future generations. In the company of his followers, Jesus begins by looking up to heaven, the text says, praying to someone other than himself, indicating his humanness and his distinction from God the Father. And in doing so, he models being rooted in God. I see this as allowing himself to compost in real time what he has experienced and what he knows is coming. He knows that he will be left alone by the disciples. He knows that he will be betrayed. He knows who he is. And he knows that we, too, will likely endure such days. This is an important part of the Lenten journey, which is meant to reorient us to repentance. It is a time for changing our minds, which then gets embodied as we live out our faith, allowing God and one another, as Alyssa read from Anna Bladell's words last week, to love us into life. I'm going to do something a little bit strange today, or maybe a lot bit strange or unexpected for you. I'm actually going to use a bit of a tactic that Jesus used in the text last week, and I'm going to tell you what's coming. I'm going to make some observations, and then I'm going to actually read the text. So I'm going to do it a bit backwards today from what I normally do. I want to do this because I want us to move from our heads and to our hearts and to be in our bodies to build the capacity to both hold on to the pain of knowing what's coming and to the beauty and joy of what is. 
I want us to be attentive to and yield to the Spirit, and I don't know what that looks like. It's not something prescriptive, if you will, for us to be attentive. And so I want to encourage us to do that. So let me just share a few observations from our text before I read it um, for us. The first one is this, that Jesus knows that he's going away, obviously. And when he goes away, that his disciples will be left in quite a vulnerable position. It will leave them feeling alone, at least. Jesus has been keeping the disciples safe. His presence, for the most part, has provided safety because he has taken on the hate, and soon he will take on death himself. And he prays that the disciples not be removed from the world, but to be kept safe from evil. And he's not suggesting that bad things won't happen to them, but that they would be held secure in the truth that evil and death never have the final word. The second observation is this. Jesus is love. Jesus is the I am. God with us, incarnate or embodied. And those who trust that the I am is sent by God will be hated by the world. I want to challenge us today to hear the text as extending beyond and not limited to those within religious institutions. In other words, to extend to all those who walk in love. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've been able to notice those who also walk in love, and it feels like I've found my people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Something, sometimes it feels like it's just a few people, but in our bodies we can sense that there is a true gift of being bound together by something beautiful, by something powerful. I also want to recognize that sometimes we lament being bound to those that we are strangely connected to, for example, through the larger institutional Big C Church, if you will. But know that deep in our bones, that beauty or true oneness is absent or at least lacking. And in those cases, I want to remind us that the words of Jesus in chapter 15 said this, that they have seen with their own eyes and still choose hate. Their guilt remains. Because Jesus makes clear that beauty will join us together, when there's nothing beautiful between us, then maybe it's not real joining together or oneness. And Jesus, in those moments, says, keep going along the good road. In this text for today, Jesus prays, you, God, sent me into the world. And now, in the same way, I send them into the world. Let us not be tempted to dismiss how sacred, how queer, how erotic it is to be sent into the world in our bodies, to embody faith and to show up as our full selves in a way that disrupts the status quo, gives voice to those on the margin, and continues to declare that all belong to God. This is truth-telling. The disciples who remain after Jesus goes away and the Spirit comes, they will do this work of truth-telling, a work that can only be done if they know whence they came, as Alyssa shared with us last week. Here's the thing. The beauty that Jesus has been given by God has been given to the disciples. It has been given 
to us. This beauty is what joins all together. It is evidence of what I might like to call original love that was present at the beginning of creation, and Jesus refers to in the prayer today. I want to take note here that this idea of original love flies in the face of so-called original sin that often frames our lives and faith journey with toxicity. Don't forget from whence you came. You came from love. This is a love that makes us all one. The gift we find in belonging to God and to one another. It is love that God extends to every person, just as God loved Jesus. This place of beauty is powerful. It is the powerful it is the power of love shared before God created all things. It has existed and remains for eternity. This power, this beauty is the generative energy of Jesus that is shared and it is the love that remains and will live in the disciples. Ultimately, Jesus prays for his followers, saying that he prays so that they may share in my joy. What I sense is that maybe they can't yet fully experience that joy. They don't know what it's like to wholly share in the beauty that was at the creation of the world, that generative love that brought beauty and harmony and life out of chaos, and out of nothing. It is a joy that wells up within us and is unstoppable. For many, this kind of joy is yet to be experienced in our bodies. In this here flesh, Cole Arthur Riley says this, My grandma says you'll know it's joy when you feel it in your entire body. She continues and says on the next page, When repair happens, we must bear witness to it. Joy does that. It trains us toward a spirituality that isn't rife with toxic positivity, but is capable of telling the truth and celebrating when restoration has indeed happened. Gratitude doesn't disguise the curse. It celebrates what the curse hasn't touched or marred altogether. As we experience restoration and healing, joy is at once our memory of the bondage that once was and an honoring of the liberation that has to come. This is the joy that I think Jesus is speaking of and praying for in our text today. In closing, I am going to read the prayer. It is all of chapter 17. And I am going to ask us to then sit with a song. As I read the prayer, you are welcome to just listen. I want us to pay attention to who is with us. Put ourselves in the text. Who is with us? Not only in the text, but also in this space now. And then back to what Alyssa spoke to last week, I want us to pay attention to the movement of energy. How does it look? What does it feel like? Pay attention to how the energy connects truth-telling to love and comfort, peace, mourning, and truth. 
And then I want, want us to pay attention to what we feel in our bodies and how Jesus is preparing us for what is to come. So three things. I didn't plan it that way, but three things. Pay attention to who is with us. Pay attention to the movement of energy and pay attention to what you feel you are being prepared for. Oh, great father, he prayed. It is time for you to bring honor to your son so he may bring honor to you. You have put all human beings under the care of your son so he can give them the life of the world to come that never fades away, full of beauty and harmony. This life comes from knowing you, the only true and great spirit, and from knowing the chosen one, creator sets free, who is Jesus, the one you have sent into this world. I have brought you honor on earth by finishing the work you sent me to do. It is now time, my father, for you to honor me with the beauty I shared at your side before you created all things. I have shown you who you truly are to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, and you trusted me with them, and they have walked in your ways. They now know that everything I have comes from you. The message you gave me, I have given to them. They have welcomed the truth about who I am and trust that you sent me. These are the ones I now pray for. I'm not praying for the ones who walk in the ways of the world, but for the ones you gave me, for they belong to you. My followers bring honor to me. They are a gift from you, a gift we share together. Since I am returning to you, I will no longer be in the world, but my followers will still be here. O Father of all that is holy, watch over them with the loving care that we share with one another. In this way, they will share, also share the love that makes us one. During my time on earth representing you, I kept them safe in your loving care. Not one of them has been lost except for the one foretold in the sacred teachings, the one doomed to a bad end. I am returning to you now, but while I am still here, I pray for my followers so they may share in my joy. Your message, which I gave them, has taken root in their hearts. Like me, they have chosen not to walk in the ways of this world, and so the world hates them. I am not asking you to remove them from the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one and his ways. They no longer belong to the ways of the world any more than I do. Make them holy through the beautiful message of your truth. You sent me into the world, and now in the same way, I send them into the world. I set my life apart for them in a sacred manner, so they may also set their lives apart to walk in the beauty of your truth. My prayers are not only for them, but for all who will trust in me through their message. I pray that all who walk with me will be joined together as one, in the same way that you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be one in us. This is how the world will believe 
that you have sent me. The beauty you gave to me, I have given to them. This will join them together with us. In the same way you are in me, I will be in them, beautifully joined together as one. This is the reason you sent me into this world, to show that you love them just as you love me. O oh, great Father, I want the ones you have given to me to share this place of beauty that I have with you, so they can see the power of your love for me, a love that we shared before you created all things. O oh, Father of all that is good and right, the world does not know you, but I know you, and my followers know you sent me. I have represented and will always represent who you truly are, so that the love that you have for me will be in them, and I will live in them also. This is the word of the Lord. As we sit in gratitude for what is offered and felt in this farewell prayer, May we recognize that it isn't just for the people then, and it isn't just for us here. That it is spanning time in a unique way for all who have and will trust Jesus and who Jesus is, the love of God enfleshed among us. It is for all who walk in the love of God, which makes us one returning us to the heart. The heart, the love from which we came and continues to give us life. I'm going to ask here in just a moment that Noah play a song for us. It is by the group called The Brilliance, and it is called Make Us One. As we listen, I want to encourage us to pay attention to any movement of energy that you feel and give way to that movement, to the spirit who works on the margin and is sending us in the same way that Jesus was sent into the world, in our bodies, fully present, making us one. So sit and receive this morning. Rest in this moment. And if you feel compelled to hum or tap or sing or snap, or whatever you'd like, I encourage you to do so.
God, thank you for breathing life into us. For the beauty that comes from you. For the love that is between us and among us. May you make us one joined together into one another. not just here in this space, but in our workplaces, in our schools, in our community, and in this world that so desperately needs to see and to experience love. Might we be faithful to the ways in which your spirit prompts us. May we settle in and breathe and be inspired by you. Thank you for this gift today, for this prayer, for this rest. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You can turn to your Lord's Table liturgy and join in the bolded parts. We come to the table to remember Jesus, the path toward wholeness he leads us down. His life reminds us 